But I think there's a transition that's taking place because people are tired of the same old, same old religious rhetoric, and we're ready for a move of God's Spirit, and we're ready to start eating some meat. Amen? How many, how many of y'all ready to get off the milkshakes and start eating some meat? Amen? I'm talking about some spiritual food. Amen? So our prophet's going to come back, and I don't know, he stepped out and get, get him some water or something, and... and uh, uh, all of y'all, we got some water here for y'all too. You've been singing and worshiping. I appreciate you guys. And this is what I love about them: that um, they 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 came here without any strings attached. You know, they came here. Hey, we just want to come and be a blessing. And I'm gonna tell you that that right there spoke volumes to me, and and still speaking volumes of of their humility that they have. And, and I've been around quite a few prophets, from Paul Cain to Kim Clement to all these guys. And, and uh, if you're if, reading on some of Kim's stuff, and it says Bilbo, I'm the Bilbo he was prophesying to and, uh, about New Orleans, the flood. So we've been around. And the one thing that I, look, that I love, that I see in the character, character of a true prophet, is humility. And I'm saying, Prophet Robin Bullock is a man of humility and a man of compassion. And you can see it. You can feel it all over him. And I appreciate that about him. And, and he's the real deal. Just the real deal. They've got a lot of phony balonies out there, but they're the real deal. And I deeply, deeply appreciate that. And, and uh, we love them and cherish the friendship. Amen? Are you all ready to hear the word? Amen? Amen. I believe I, right now is the time to get you a pencil, piece of paper, if you don't have one, borrow one from a neighbor. There's one in the seat. You could take a, a piece of paper from your neighbor. Start taking some notes because there's going to be so much that's going to come out that you're going to want to go back and rehearse that and look at it again and say, oh, yeah, I remember that. When revelation comes forth, it's an unveiling. Revelation actually means an unveiling, something that was hidden. And, and now... There's a revelation that's hitting the land. So there's an unveiling, an uncovering. And we hear that through teachings like, like, like this here. And so tonight there's going to be some revelation that's going to make a light bulb go off. Amen? And you'll say, wow, I read that for so long and didn't really understand. But now I got it. And when you get it, you can run with it. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands and thank God tonight. We just give him praise and honor and glory. Thanksgiving, Lord, we ask you to give us eyes to see and ears to hear that we can learn your word together as a family. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want, I want us tonight to um, open up to the book of Genesis and... Uh, You know, if, you, uh, if you've got a gain at the top of this channel, turn it down to about 1 o'clock, push your fader up a little bit, add a little bit of lows, it'll probably stop all that. Now, let's just lift our, our hands up one more time. Thank him. You know, everything we do is Thanksgiving. Oh, that's beautiful, man. That's beautiful right there. So we just, we just lift our hands and give him praise and honor, glory. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We thank you. I will. Amen. Now, 
I want you to look at uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, uh, 27, and 28. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him, Male and female created he them. Now, you know, when God, was, when God was creating man, he wasn't manufacturing a man. God was reproducing himself. He was reproducing himself. He wasn't just manufacturing a man. He wanted a family that he could speak to on his own level. He wanted someone he could love that could love him back. See, angels, can, angels don't know anything about the love of God. People, people, there's a misconception in a lot of people. Angels only know the holiness of God. They don't know the love of God. See, imagine, imagine this. Imagine being love. You ever thought about reading Genesis sometimes this way? In the beginning, love created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of love moved upon the face of the waters. And love said, let there be light. And if you keep reading it this way, you start getting a picture of who God is. Now, God is God yeah, Lord, I'll do that. When, when God created everything that is, everything that exists once existed inside him. See, the, the Hebrew calls him El Elyon, the most high God. That means there's no moster high. He is the most high. And when God looks up, there's no one there. He's as high as you go. And inside him, everything that is, was inside him. Now, imagine this. He's seated on his throne, and around his throne, there are, there are throne room attendants. There are, there are, are his, his uh, throne room assistants that attend him. But these creatures don't look like any other creatures you've ever seen. They're full of eyes within and without. The scripture says they have six wings apiece, and under each wing is a man's hand. It looks like a man's hand. And one of them has the face of a lion, one of them the face of a calf, one the face of a flying eagle, and one the face of a man. And they fly around God's throne 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And as they move around his throne, every time they come by his eyes, they draw back and they cry, holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Then the next one comes by, holy, holy, holy. They're searching as these eyes that are full in them. Those eyes will roll up inside those creatures and search the being of God. They're looking for something constantly. And what they saw, the reason their faces are what they are, they saw each saw one phase of redemption. And redemption is so powerful, is so big and so powerful that it would change the face of an angelic creature 
And yet it will chase a man for years before a man will ever even attempt to turn and give in to it. But it will change the face of an angel until they saw the man and he became the man in the face. And they saw the ox, the, the sacrifice, and it changed them and so on and so forth. And so they're flying around him and they're searching for something deep inside him. But as they search and their eyes search God and search God and go deeper and deeper inside God, they can't get past holiness. That's why they're called holy angels. They can't get past that. And so they'll draw back. But they knew there was something in him. And then God got up from his throne. And he started walking across heaven. Now imagine this. The Bible said he created the heavens first, then the earth. So he's walking across heaven. And as he's walking across heaven, when he stands up, all the angelic creatures fall on their face. We're talking about God. And all the angelic creatures fall on their face. All six wings fold around those eyes because they can't peer at him any longer. Because the air around him starts to smoke. And his train fills the temple. And the smoke of his glory starts to fill the temple. And he's walking toward the edge of nothingness. And he gets out on the edge of it. And when he does, he looks out into the vast nothing. And he says, light be. And the Hebrew says, light was. And it rumbled out across eternity. At the speed of light, his glory started to manifest into material matter. And all the stars in the heavens begin to unfold at the speed of light. And they're still moving at that rate of speed. And don't you know right at that point, all the angelic creatures thought, that's it. That's what we've been searching for all these times, these eons of time. We've been searching for this. This has got to be what was hidden within him. But it wasn't. That's not what they were looking for. Then God stepped into the earth and he caused a mist to come up out of the ground. And in this mist, as it came up out of the ground, the scripture says in Genesis 2, 7, that he formed the man from the dust. But it was in this mist and no one could see it. No angel could see it. No creature in heaven could, could look upon it because the glory came up out of the earth. And the, uh, the Hebrew talks about there was a river that came from Eden out of God's throne. And it parted into four heads in the garden. And when it went out through the garden, it, the Hebrew says it sparkled with light and revelation of God. And I don't have time to really get into this because the Lord has me going somewhere else. But when that mist came up, this was in day one, or uh, Genesis one, day three. And he laid down in that mist and he cast his own image in the wet earth. And he went under the ground and cast his image under the ground. 
And when he came up out of the ground and stepped up out of the glory, all the angelic world saw was God coming up out of the glory. They had seen him walk through the glory uh, countless times. They knew when he moved, the glory happened. So when the mist came up out of the earth, God was walking through the earth. And they just saw him walk up out of the glory. But they never saw him lay his image down under the ground and cast his own image. The King James says formed. But it cast. It was a cast of him. It was his size. And when he laid down there, and then exactly three days, three nights later, on day six, we have a record that on that day, God made the man. He's talking about after three days and nights, he walked into that same spot and he began to uncover the dirt around that casted image of himself. And it looked like a grave when he got it open and the man was laying there like this with his hands stretched out, laying down under the earth. And God, the Hebrew says, when he, he, he uncovered him and he laid him there, he stretched himself out on the man and put his hands on his hands and his eyes on his eyes and his mouth on his mouth mouth and he inhaled and caught up the man's spirit and he breathed into that that cast of himself what he had created and when he did the man's soul became alive and out of this open hole of a grave he raised that man up out of the dust and he stood him before him prophesying from the very beginning that one day God would take the form of a man and die and be buried for three days and nights and rise again from the dead and also prophesying that one day you would raise from the dead. And all of this was hidden in the glory. It's the honor, it's the glory of God to conceal something. Conceal a matter, but it's the honor of a king to search that matter out. But to search that matter out, you have to walk in the glory. And you have to know you belong in it. Oh, my goodness. Before an angel ever saw this man, there was four levels of authority. God, angels, animals, and the plant life. Four levels. There was God. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of angels, the kingdom of animals, and the plant kingdom. These are the kingdoms of the earth. Are you listening to me? These are kingdoms that exist. Some in the earth, some in the spirit. Now, inside that, those four levels... It was discovered that the man was coming. Now, I don't have really any time to get into a lot of this, but it's what the Lord said to tell you, so I'm going to tell you. And I know you're probably thinking, well, that's probably pretty simple, Brother Robin, all that stuff. It may not be. And so he, he has, before the man, I guess I'll just have to do it. Why not just do it? I just have to do it. <clears throat> Before the man was ever seen, 
See, the, man's, the man was already in God's mind before the earth was created. His family. You better tell you something that's really interesting. Here's something interesting. Did you know that in Isaiah 40, it says that when the Lord created all of the earth and the material things you see, it says that he meted out the heavens. <clears throat> he said he, he meted out the water and measured it out in the hollow of his hand. In other words, he reached down into the water. He created water, held it in the cup of his hand, and calculated all the moisture of the creation from that. It said he took scales and put the mountains in them and weighed them. And he calculated all the mountains. Then you know what it says next? Watch this. It said he meted out the heavens with a span. The Hebrew says a nine-inch span. They're talking about from the tip of your thumb to the tip of your little finger. So God's hand is nine inches from the thumb to the tip of the finger. My span is almost nine inches. There's probably some people in here that made nine inches. Now, this gives you the size of God's hand. You've got an idea of what his, his hand looks like. He's not some, something you won't recognize. You're in his image. What are you preaching, brother? Victory is what I'm preaching. I'm preaching something called winning. I'm talking about something that God wants you to have a knowledge of to bring you back into a place that you and I can walk where we're supposed to walk. This world, and let me tell you something, this world, and especially in the governments around the world right now, I don't know if you know this, but all of this was designed. Everything you've seen go on since the 2000 or 2020, all this COVID mess, all this stuff you've seen, all of it is designed, all of it is designed to rob you of the glory. That's all it's designed to do. You can't, you can't imagine that because you think, well, this is this government. This. Why do you think politics is so important right now? It's because the political realm is the highest realm Satan can get to. He can't get any higher than that, and that's the realm that governs the affairs of men. And so they come to that realm to fight. And they're coming after your life. And it's all to stop the glory from coming. It's to keep you out of your position. And they want to shoot and, and shoot for something and push into the being the mark of the beast before the time is right. Oh, yeah, you, oh, yeah, oh, Brother Robin, you mean you'd talk about this. That's why I was raised, brought on the scene to talk about it. You've got to begin to talk about it. Now, let me see if I can explain something here from the Scripture. Just so you'll know where we are. The eighth psalm, the eighth psalm is a powerful psalm. <clears throat> it's a psalm that was a prophecy that David picked up on in the Spirit. 
The eighth psalm is recorded in Hebrews chapter 2. And in Hebrews chapter 2, it reveals to us that an angel said the eighth psalm. That was an angel talking. David heard it as a prophet and wrote it down. And what this psalm is about is the discovery of the man that was coming. And when this discovery was made by a certain angel, he protested in the courts of heaven, and this is what he said. He said, oh, Lord, that's Yahweh. That's God in his government. Oh, Lord, our master, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man? What is man? You don't know what a man is. But he found out something. He found out when this man came that he would be right next to God. And it filled him with wrath. And he said, what is man that you're mindful of him? Or the son of man that you would visit him? You've made him a little lower than the angels. But this word angels is the word Elohim. It means God. You made him a little lower than you. He said, who is this man that you've made him a little lower than you? You crowned him with glory and honor. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. And we read right up here, he made the sun and the moon with his fingers. So man had that dominion. He said, you gave him the, this kind of dominion over all the works of your hand. You put all things under his feet, all sheep, oxen, yea, the beast of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea, even the jet streams, the paths of the sea, is under his domain. And this was the authority of a man. And he said, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. And he bowed out of heaven's court. And it filled him with wrath. And he started a war in the earth. And the whole reason Lucifer rebelled was because of you. He rebelled because of your position. He didn't want you to have your position. It scared him. He said, what did he say? He's crowned him with what? Glory. Crowned him with glory. He said, this glory you set above the heavens and you crowned him with it. This is his position. What was he saying? I didn't know there was a position open between me and you. I might have applied for that. And it filled him with wrath. And he attacked the earth long before he attacked heaven. Amen. And so... When you see this, and this is what made the first world implode. This is what caused the fall of the first world before Adam. 
In Genesis chapter 1, it says this. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. But Isaiah 40 and 45 declares that God didn't create it formless and void. It said he made it to be inhabited. The Hebrew word there is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth became without form and void. At the fall of Lucifer, the light bearer, he would bear the light of God and bring it to the earth. He had pipes that came out of his being, shofars that protruded from his body. He had a 20-foot wingspan. And back in those days, the earth was surrounded with crystalline canopy plates. And he would lift himself up to the center of the earth. He would walk up and down in the stones of fire and he'd find revelation. And he'd come and lift himself up and sing it to the creation. Scripture said he didn't have a heart. He had tambourines in his chest that would beat. And he'd beat a rhythm out. And the pipes would start to sound and he became an instrument. And he would sing revelation songs. He'd sing prophetic songs of revelation. And they would go into the earth, hit those canopy plates, go all the way around the earth. And it said the fruitful places would be created. And this was his position. One day walking up and down in the stones of fire, he found the man. And he refused to bring that to the creation. And he rebelled. And this is when he protested, what is this man? What is him? I found him in the stones of fire, the revelations of God. Who is he? What is he? And it filled him with violence. It filled him with wrath. And he, the earth, he refused to bring it to the earth. And the earth started falling. And he started attacking the earth. Are y'all with me tonight? Am I? How many of you are? How many of you know in your spirit what you're hearing is true? See, there's things that we don't know that God is not hiding from us. He's hiding for us. But it's in the glory you have to see it. Angels can't walk in the glory like that. <laughs> it's glory to God in the highest. Hallelujah. They can't walk in it like you can. They can be around it, but not like you can. Do you know when the scripture invites you, it says, come boldly to the throne of grace, that you may find mercy and uh, obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need? Did you know that it, it, the, the literal rendering of that says, come boldly into my throne, crawl up in my lap, put your hands on the arms of my chair, lean into my face, That's what he wants you to do. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, I will. I have a couple things to tell you before I can stop. But every night is going to get bigger. So these five levels of authority, these four levels at the time, 
But when the man was created, there were five now. God, man, angels, animals, plants. Five levels. That's why five is the number of grace. Did you know that the scripture says in John 3, 16, now this will get me a lot of mail, <laughs> what I'm about to say. Did you know that John 3, 16, where it declares this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Did you know that that, that word world there, it means cosmos. It means a world order. It said, for God so loved the original world order that he created it to be in, that he gave his only begotten son to bring you back into the position so his order can be completed again. We're going to learn this if it makes hell scream. So, these five levels of authority. So God began to walk with his man in the cool of the day. Now, there's a lot, there's a lot to it. But he began to walk with his man in the cool of the day. Now, God is a consuming fire from the loins up and the loins down. Man, his name reveals who he was. It's not Adam. In Alabama, we say Adam. But it's not Adam. It's Adam. Adam means blood shining through your face. I'm, I might as well not hold back anything from you. And people, you know, people watching by the thousands online right now, some of them are so mad at me, they're probably quivering all over. And, you know, and some, some people are wondering, what in the world is he talking about? Mysteries. So, Adam, when God created him, he called him Adam. Why? Because man is, is triune in the image of God. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Man is spirit, soul, and body. You are a spirit. You have a soul. Your mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a body. You're in the image of God. But there's a fourth part to you. It's called blood. If you have blood, that means God had, has blood of some kind. Oh, yeah, because Adam had blood type G. He couldn't have had any other kind. It had to be blood type G, didn't it? So, so he has blood. He has a form of blood. Or you wouldn't have any. Your blood is red. So what is God's blood? It's light. It's pure light that runs through him. Bible said in him is light, no darkness at all. So he is light. Say it. He is light. Speaking of his bloodstream. Or what we would refer to as that. Now watch this. So when God stretched himself on the man, he made a covenant with the man. He made a covenant with him. Don't you remember the prophet's well, you don't remember it, but you've read it where the prophets, Elijah stretched himself on that boy three times. Then Elisha 
stretched himself on that, that dead boy. Except Elisha added his hands on his hands. That's what God did. And he made a covenant. He made a covenant with the man. It was exactly the same size. And he bled his blood into the man. The cut covenant. And so man's red blood began to be filled with light. Who's got a, somebody turn me a phone on with a flashlight right quick. I want to show you something. If it'll show in this light, I want you to see it. All right, watch this. Let's see. Do you see that? I don't know if they can see it on camera, but can you see it? Why does my, did you know red paint won't do that? Why is my hand glowing? This is the name Adam. This is what he looked like. Except he only had one layer of skin. No sin, one layer of skin, robed in glory. So he was known as Adam. And when him and God, you say only one layer of skin, absolutely. There was no decay, there was no death, there was no rot in the earth. So why have more than one layer? And the glory covered him. So he would walk through this earth radiating with this covenant light coming through his blood. And it would shine through his face and shine through his body. You see that happening with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. If Jesus had a took his clothes off or his coat off, you'd have never saw his body on the Mount of Transfiguration. It was because he was glowing from the inside out just like the first Adam. And it was coming through his clothes. And so God and Adam would walk together in the cool of the day and it would be two shafts of light walking in the garden, talking to each other. And as they passed by, every animal would have bowed. Every angel fell down before both of them because God and his son was walking through the garden in the cool of the day. I'll go you one more, that when, God, when Adam would start worshiping, the Hebrew says he would walk with him in the cool of the day. It means that he would begin to worship in a prophetic, euphoric worship. And when he did, the air that, and the, 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 what, what it made, what made everything live in the earth, what made all trees live, what made all life exist, would come alive in front of Adam, and God would walk up in the life of the day and wrap it around himself and talk to him. Adam that's the kind of power he moved in and so when Adam bowed his knee to a lesser being an angel angels are not above men I don't care how many movies they make about it you can be touched by anything you want to be touched by but that angel is not above a man you're looking at man in his fallen state. See, you were born into a world you wasn't created to live in. And so when he bowed his knee to the lesser being, that angel immediately traded places with the man and stepped up next to God and turned his back and told the man to bow. 
and he pushed the man down the line. And he would have pushed him to the dust, to the plant life. But turnips can't bleed. So he pushed him to the lowest level of blood, the animal kingdom. And from that point on, animals could die for a man. How many of you are with me now? That's where that started. As soon as the light went out, Adam said, we're naked. We have no covering. And he saw himself with one layer of, of skin. He knew he was a dead man. So he took fig leaves. And he, the Hebrew says he made himself armor with them. Armor. The King James says aprons. But the Hebrew says armor. He was trying to protect his body. And the Lord came to him. And said, where are you, Adam? He said, I hid myself. Because I was afraid. Because I was naked. He said, who told you this? He said, you've digested someone else's word besides mine. Who told you this? You know what the word who told you, uh, or uh, who told you this? You know what that means? Where are you, Adam? You know what that means? In Hebrew, it means confess to me. He wouldn't do it. He said, the woman. It was the woman. And so he made a covenant with God. What was the first covenant after the fall? A covenant to live. He said, God, I'm going to die. I want, I, I want to make this covenant with you. Because Adam understood covenant. People in the West don't understand covenant. Church people don't understand covenant. Because we have to be made to sign papers this thick to promise to pay for a car. But in a covenant relationship, once a covenant's made, it comes down to life or death. You would lay down your life before you'll break that covenant. This is the way it is with God and man. And God made this covenant with Adam. And Adam knew covenant from the start. He glowed with the blood of God shining through him. He knew he had blood with God. Come on, my brother and sister. This is not so far out as you think it is. But it is far out to a weak-minded church who takes people's temperature before they come through the door. Now that's a weak, that's a weak gospel. That's something that no one should, nobody should ever have to take a temperature to come into a healing service. Oh, come on now. Oh, brother, you just shouldn't be talking about that. Somebody's got to talk about it. Can you imagine Jesus standing there and the leper comes toward him and he looks at Peter and says, whoa, whoa, hey, whoa, whoa, take his temperature. Wait a minute, take that leper's temperature. How did he, how did he slip through the ushers? James and John over there going, how did he get in here? What if he touches the Son of God? That surely knows nothing about covenant. 
I'm going to tell you something heavy if you'll stay with me. I know, I know this may be Sunday school stuff right at this moment, but it, it should have been. So he, where was I at? Somebody tell me. Covenant. So Adam knew what covenant was. His very name denoted covenant. Amen. His very name spoke of covenant. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he's, after he falls, he said, God, what kind of covenant can I make? I have to have provision to live. I have no covering. So the, the Bible says in Genesis, you ready for this? Watch this now and let it make all kinds of sense to you now. So you look at this and it says in Genesis 3.21, And unto Adam, Adam, also and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins. The Hebrew says layered hide. He layered his hide. Well, I thought, I thought they, they slaughtered animals. They did. That was the covenant. He used the animal in, for his own blood and asked God to protect him so he won't die. So the Lord gave him a gift from the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, three layers of hide. And once ever so often, one will fall off. But there's another one ready to take its place. So you won't die. I mean, have you see that now? And so he layered his hide and he made a covenant with the man. But now he was under Satan's domain and the dominion of the enemy. And so the enemy yoked him, started using him like an animal through the earth. God could, why didn't God just come in, knock him in the head, and start over with another man? Because God created the man, gave him the earth, and for God to have just walked in, slapped the devil out of the way, took it all back over, would have been illegal. Satan wanted that. Then God would have lied. And the enemy's the father of liars. But he forgot he's dealing with God. Who cannot lie. So he, he tells God, you stay away from him. He's mine. And the Lord made a prophetic utterance. Genesis 3.15. He said, the seed of the woman's coming. He'll bruise your heel. You'll, he'll crush your head and you'll bruise his heel. Seed of the woman's coming. Satan don't know what to do with this because he's not a man. And he don't believe it. There's no way that, hey, speaking of the seed of the woman, is the virgin birth. 
the crushing of the enemy's head and the enemy and and the bruising of the of the 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 seed of the woman's heel is speaking of the crucifixion. You want me to tell all that? So we see the strength of it begin to show up through the scripture. We see Cain and Abel. Here's one makes religion really uncomfortable. Cain and Abel. Cain kills his brother Abel. Let's make it short now and tell you. So when Cain kills his brother Abel, the Hebrew says he slaughtered him. Didn't say he just killed him, he slaughtered him. They'd never seen a man die before. They didn't know what it would take to kill a man. They'd only seen those sacrificial animals die, and that's the way he killed him. That's why the Lord said his blood's calling to me out of the ground. He bled out everywhere. When he was dying, he said, Cain is guilty. Cain is guilty. Cain is guilty. Don't hold him guiltless. And the last words spoken is the voice of your blood. And he said, he's calling to me from the ground. You know what Cain ended up telling the Lord? He said, when the Lord told him what was going to happen now, he said, my punishment's more than I can bear. And he said, now remember that statement. My punishment's more than I can bear. And then it hit Cain. Everyone that finds me will slaughter me. I've sowed a seed. I, that's what I've done to him there. Everybody's going to do it to me. It's more than I can bear. And you know what the Lord told him? He said he set a mark on him. Lest any finding him should kill him. Set a mark on him. What was the mark? The rabbis teach it was the letter Tav. The last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Which is the symbol of a cross. So he put a cross on Cain. He put, a, <laughs> he put a cross on him, lest any finding him should kill him. He put a cross on him, showing the power of the cross that was coming. He had told the enemy that it was coming, and now it shows up in a mark. The cross. And you'll find it all through the scripture. This, this thing is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And Satan still is ruling the man. The man and the animals are in the same class. Solomon said man differs nothing from a beast. That's what he's speaking of. And then the day comes. Jesus is born in the earth. Satan sees it. He don't know who he is. If he could have read his mind, he would have killed Mary. He didn't know who it was. He had no clue who it was. So he, John the Baptist shows up. Are you him? Are you him? You know who he got to ask his questions? Religion. Satan had a voice in the earth through religious leaders. No one else. Religion. How would you like to be the one that, that, that goes down in history as saying, 
Satan talked through you. Well, he did through Pharisees. He did through Sadducees. He did through these religious leaders. And he poked at John the Baptist and said, Are you the one? Or should we? Uh, are you him? Are you the one? Are you the Christ that's coming? And John, I could just see John. No. I mean, don't you know he probably got him? Mm, no. But then he said this. No, I'm not him. He's coming after me. After me. Whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. Satan, don't you know, right at that moment, Satan said, shoes, feet, head, mine. He's coming to step on my head. And then the day came. Down the muddy banks of the Jordan. Here he came. The last Adam. Now you ready? I'm, I'm, I'm headed somewhere. Look at your neighbor and say, he's going somewhere. Are you still glad you came or am I just all alone in the house? So he's walking. Here he comes down the muddy banks. Can you see him? He's walking down through there. And John looks up at him. Don't you know, <laughs> he's baptizing somebody. <laughs> oh. And he looks up at Jesus. And Jesus says, baptize me, John. He said, mm-mm. Mm-mm. You, you need to baptize me. Why? Because I baptize for the remission of sin, and you don't have any. So you baptize me. He said, permit it to be so now. Watch this. Now here the mystery starts to unfold. Permit it to be so now, John. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. He said, you must let it because we have to fulfill all righteousness. So in other words, Jesus wasn't coming to be baptized. Why are you to be baptized for any other reason but a consecration to his father that he's going to put it back right again? He's not coming to be baptized for the remission of sin. He said, I'm coming to be baptized as a sign of my consecration before heaven and earth, before my father, that I'm going to do whatever it takes to make it all right again. Then John permitted him. So he comes down in the water, right at the place where the, the Gihon Springs came out from under the temple and ran down into the Jordan where they were washing the lambs. And it came into the place where he was, and he stepped down in there. And I don't have time to preach this, but the last legitimate high priest of the Old Testament, John the Baptist, baptized Jesus. When Jesus came up out of the water and he looked up, 
Watch this. The scripture said the heavens opened and it went all the way to the nether, through the nether world, to the throne of God. And God and Jesus locked eyes when he looked up through that hole. And when he did, the Holy Ghost came down. John's watching all of this happen. And then a thunderous voice came out and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, everybody there didn't hear that voice. Let me tell you something. Every time God spoke in the New Testament, they thought it thundered. God's voice in the natural sounds like thunder. How many times have you ever heard it thunder on a clear day and you thought somebody blew up something? Or you look around and say, where did that come from? Could it be God was talking? 